They've also known this for a long time about the collateral blood vessels. Look at this study back in 1981, the importance of collateral circulation for myocardial survival. Yes. You know, just that little thing. (laughs) Yes, an in-depth study that said without collateral circulation, you cannot survive a heart problem. So they know since at least 1981, they know your heart does this. Yes. And yet we just keep pushing no fat, vegetables, and bypasses. Yep. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Jack. And Mary. And welcome back to the Forbidden Doctor podcast. This is episode 127, What Doesn't Cause Heart Attacks. Oh, I am excited about this. This is going to be a very fun one. Because sometimes the easiest way to understand a problem is to understand what it isn't. Mm. I mean, in this podcast, which is going to be followed by What Does Cause a Heart Attack?, We're going to show what doesn't, which unfortunately just happens to be the prevailing theory. Mm, Surprising. So you might ask, what right do we have to suggest that the current theory might be in error? Well, because with all those runs and all those walks and the marches and the promotions and the drugs and the surgeries, heart disease still is the number one killer in America and most other Western nations. So you have to ask, how's that working out for us? Well, it wasn't always this way. Yes. Uh, Oh, and before we get started here, be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for a special coupon. I love coupons. We usually always do this. Um, And don't forget to join our texting blast to receive weekly discounts and special coupons. Yeah, we had a great one go out today. Yeah, you're too late for that one. So get signed up so you get the next one. And don't forget that another way you can learn for free, these podcasts are free, which is really cool. And you can learn for free is to listen to Jack on the radio. He's on, he's the alternative medical expert on a nationally broadcast show called The Good Day Show with Doug Steffen. Has about 4 million listeners. Pretty cool. He has four doctors every week. Three of them are MDs. Mm -hmm. Then there's little old me. There's (laughs) you. Giving out that forbidden information. Yes, who offers a a different viewpoint than drugs. As much as he'll let you get out. Yes. So, you know, these podcasts are great. We get to really just kind of throw up all our feelings about (laughs) how upset we are with everything. But sometimes I run on, and then while I'm talking, I hear in the background, I hear Doug talking to the station engineer. Is he still on? (laughs) When I think I am on. Yeah, Doug does not like to be talked over. He pots me down. Yeah, that's great. But But anyway, that's another way you can learn for free. And if you miss the live show, on Tuesday, you can go to RadioAmerica.com and listen to the archives of Doug Steffen's show. And in the Salt Lake area, in fact, north and south, the show Tuesday morning is replayed Saturday morning at 6 a.m. on AM 1640. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump into our weekly feature, Forbidden Secrets They Don't Want You to Know. These are the secret things they keep from you the dumb things they tell you, and the really important things they know nothing about. So here you see Bob Harper, who is the, uh, I guess, nutrition expert, something like that, for the uh, Biggest Loser program on television. Yeah. Where you get a couple of, uh, not a couple, but several really, really grossly obese people, and he's putting them into exercise, diet programs, uh, uh, meditation, mm-hmm. thinking, all this kind of stuff. He's a great guy. To, oh, yeah. He's a fantastic coach. The man just had a heart attack. Yeah. Not overweight. Not, I mean, looks like he's I in mean, shape. he's like, you know, when he walks in the room, uh, guys start sucking their guts in or find some excuse <laughs> to leave the room. 
but he had a heart attack. Yeah, it's really shocking. Well, and you know, this, we, this shows you the the old theory that exercise cures everything, which is not true. Which is not true. No. You need nutrition in here. Well, he and he's a big proponent of that. Sure. Uh, he used to be a promoter of the vegan diet. Mm-hmm. Now he, after his heart attack, is a promoter of the paleo and the Mediterranean diets because the vegan diet is very hard on the heart and other very protein-rich organs. A lot of organs are very fatty. Mm -hmm. You know, your pancreas is very fatty. The thyroid is very fatty. The adrenals are super fatty. But the heart is protein. And if you're not getting the full spectrum of complex proteins you need... That you get from animal foods. That you get from nutrient-dense foods, Mm -hmm. especially animal products, uh, you're risking some problems. And man, he just blew out his heart. Yeah, it's very sad, but he's okay. But he survived it. And he's switching his diet. And he's switching the diets to a more nutrient-dense food. So super happy, but because this is our weekly feature, these are things they know nothing about. They do know, they just choose to ignore it. Or they, yeah, or they have some kind of a life-changing experience and then, aha, maybe there's something else. Yeah, yeah. All right. That guy that did the, that was in the movie, The Green Mile, the big black guy. Oh, yeah. The deep uh, Michael. Uh, he's so great. Well, he was. Incredible actor until yeah, he's. He had a heart attack and he yep. held on for a month. Yep. And he, we found out afterwards he went vegan. Yeah. Not vegetarian, vegan three years earlier. Right. And that body just could not handle, nope. could not live on vegetables. So. Alrighty. So first do no harm. This website podcast is not intended to be a diversion away from the current system of disease management. It is our intention to offer a rational and very effective approach to aiding your body in its ability to rebuild and heal. Please be advised that any suggested nutritional advice or dietary advice is not intended as a primary treatment or therapy for any disease or particular bodily symptom. Nutritional counseling, supplement vitamin recommendations, nutritional advice, and the adjunctive schedule of nutrition is provided solely to upgrade the quality of foods in the patient's diet in order to supply good nutrition supporting the physiological and biomechanical processes of the human body. We have contradistinguished many times in previous podcasts between acute care and chronic care. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to acute care, you want to be in the best emergency room you can be in. You want the best internists, the best surgeons, the best whatever. That's when, a, yeah. And acute, I mean life-threatening. And that's the time they do know what's best. And Yes, and they know and how to save a know. life. Mm-hmm. And that's not in our scope of practice. That's not what we do. What we take care of is the chronic stuff. So we're not bad-mouthing medicine here. We're going to bad-mouth a theory that exists the inside system. of the medical system. Because medicine is so focused on what is wrong and needing to fix what is wrong, or at least what it believes to be wrong, rather than understanding the cause behind what is wrong, which is what Mary is always talking about all the time. It's like trying to suppress a continuing fire rather than finding out where the fire's coming from and then go turn off the gas. Yeah. I think that's a good comparison. And we also want to turn you around to the forbidden doctor is inside of you also. Yes. And and other than crisis care, like you talked about, these things can be fixed inside. I mean, these, 
your body knows what to do because nobody in the world knows what's going on in your body. Not even you, but your body, body knows. Does. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to tell you things today about what doesn't cause a heart attack and, and knowing that you need to let your body figure out how to heal or prevent. That's even better. Well, I think it's better. Yeah. Yeah, because, it happen. because we live in a paradigm of, of finding evidence of something wrong in the medical world, you know, like beta lymphocytic strep that causes strep throat. And then the first thing we want to do is just throw penicillin at it, destroy it, and everything else around it, of course, will, will go with it. Mm -hmm. Rather than understanding the role all the bacteria and viral elements in our bodies play. If I did a throat culture on you right now, Mary, and a throat culture on me and everybody else in the neighborhood in which we live, you will find beta lymphocytic, lymphocytic strep on every one of those cultures. Yeah. Yet nobody, except maybe one somewhere, has strep throat. Yeah, we talked a lot about this in our Lyme disease now, podcast. Now, is it just there because, is it there because they ran across it somewhere and the immune system is keeping it at bay? Or is there something else going on? Well, we believe both of those. Yeah. We believe the immune system's keeping it at bay, but we believe something else is going on. But in our find it and kill it mentality, we want to find the enemy and destroy it rather than finding out why it exists in the community of all living things. Now, this is not to say that there aren't very serious infections that occur that do need intervention, mm -hmm. drug intervention. Mm -hmm. But even the experts claim that we way overuse antibiotics in this country, hence the creation of the superbug that exists only in the hospital. Yeah, and not to recap our entire last podcast, but that's exactly what we got into, where you find the Lyme bacteria inside of your body and you freak out. The doctors will freak out and give, you know, massive antibiotics saying, oh, you have Lyme disease when yeah. it is in there actually as a group of bacteria and viruses trying to fight the glyphosates poisoning that has happened because of yeah. all the... Yeah, and I think the glyphosate podcast last week is, a, like you said, is a perfect example Oh, it's a wonderful podcast. So I'm trying to set the stage for what doesn't cause heart attacks here. And, and so we have found the enemy, it's disease, and we must wipe out disease. War I mean, on everything. Yeah, I mean, this kind of thinking with the military metaphors that go with it, <laughs> the war on cancer, the war on hunger, the war on poverty, you know, it just leaves us with this take no prisoners kind of thinking that, that removes all the evidence for what caused the need for the war in the first place. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and, and so what the forbidden doctor is looking for is an understanding of the community of life, not just the macro world, but what's going on in the micro world just inside our bodies as well. Yeah, as we did with the last podcast. So I'm so, sorry to keep repeating no, that. No, but no, that, no. That, that was such a critical podcast, I think. Yeah, and we're getting good feedback. For people to understand, it's, it's one of our best pearls that we give out, that when you're sick, when you're exhibiting sickness, coughing, sneezing, whatever, it means your body is working it means it's trying to get rid of toxins. It's trying to get, you know, build the antibodies for the viruses. And, and, and we jump in with these outside in instead of re, instead from the inside out, try to rebuild and help our bodies yeah. and support our bodies. We jump in, kill, 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 war, 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 war. Yeah, I just had a recent conversation with a patient who's going through a cold, sneezing, coughing, sore throat, headache. Unless it's chronic, then there's a problem. Well, and this is, and they were shocked because um, 
they don't get this very often. And, and they ask me, they say, well, you know, I, I guess I need to go to uh, Instacare and uh, get an antibiotic. And I, and I said, I suggested something new to him. I said, you know, the, the virus isn't causing those problems. Mm-hmm. And he kind of looks at me like, uh, what? Mm-hmm. It's your body that is causing those problems. I bring this up just because you made me think of it a second mm-hmm. ago. I said, the sneezing, the coughing, that's not the bug. That's your body trying to get rid of the bug. It's trying a healthy to body. Deal with, and it's a healthy a body. healthy body. The, I'm worried if you get a viral infection and it just grows and your, your immune system isn't sounding reveille, it's not sounding charged, you get it's rheumatic not sounding fever. attacked. Yeah. Yeah, and it ends up getting deeper into the tissues. Exactly, mm-hmm. into Mary. The heart. It could mm-hmm. get into rheumatic fever and really mess up the mitral valve. Yeah. So when these kinds of things take place, it's a healthy body that's responding. I mean, and what I'm talking about would require a change in medical thinking that would begin to look at the whole person, the interrelated systems, the reactions that have this interplay with the whole body, not just some diseased part or organ. Mm-hmm. However, that is not. In the current thinking in medicine where everything wrong or supposed as being wrong has to, as some disease, it has to be conquered, destroyed. War, war. And, and the greatest conquering effect today is not the body's ability to heal itself. It's some drug or some surgery or radiation or something else, again, from the outside in with the body. In today's setting, the number one enemy is heart disease, as it is the number one killer in America. Yeah, seven. 735,000 Americans will suffer a heart attack during 2017. 610,000 will die from yeah. the heart, heart disease. And that's why what we're talking about is so important because the coronary artery theory of heart disease and stroke costs, get this, $1 billion a day without any signs of getting better. No, it's not getting better. Um, and then 100 years ago, heart disease was not even on the top 10 yeah. causes of death. We've talked about that in several of our heart podcasts. I think the first article uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine on heart disease showed up somewhere just prior to World War I, 100 years ago. Well, 100 years ago, we were in the midst of World War I, but, you know, a few years ago. That's what I'm talking about. And it was a, uh, a doctor in Boston who wrote this uh, article that was published in the, in the New England Journal. And he said, uh, I had a patient die on autopsy. There was this thick, pasty stuff in the uh, coronary structure of the heart. Anybody seen anything like that? <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> so what happened? Well, we want to kind of talk. We want to kind of talk about, you know, medicine sees a diseased heart like this. You can see the, uh, the red stuff there in the muscle of the heart. All those lines are the tendon and cordae um, that attach to the valves that help the valves do their work so that when the heart muscle contracts, those little cords are pulled on that cause the valves to open and close and such. But that red part there that lines the outside of the heart there, that's the myocardium, the actual muscle of the heart, and that's what gets diseased in, as medicine sees it. I mean, a heart attack leads to the death of cells in the, in the myocardium, the heart muscle itself, and then these dying cells spread death all around them until more tissue becomes necrotic, and then sometimes soon, in, in, in as little as minutes, enzymes that belong inside the cells of the heart 
begin getting into and flowing through the bloodstream. And then, they, and then of course, if they think you're do, having a heart attack when you come in the emergency room, they're going to do a blood test right away because they want to see if they can find these enzymes that will reveal and confirm a diagnosis of a heart attack. Yeah, your mother had this where mm-hmm. she fainted. And they did the test looking for these enzymes. No enzymes. And they couldn't find no. any. But. It's the same thing with liver failure or kidney failure. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you're going to start having enzymes showing up in the flowing blood that belong inside the organ. And then that's when they know there's organ problems. And this is where the diagnosis of a heart attack starts to get a little skewed because the flow of blood suddenly becomes an issue. And so suddenly the term coronary artery disease takes the place of a heart attack. This is, I don't know if this is intentional. I don't know if this is just some evolutionary thing with marketing, but this is what's happened. What used to be known as a heart attack, now we talk about it in the sense of coronary artery disease because we can sell so many more drugs. The statins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, so now you cannot distinguish between terms like cardiomyopathy or congestive heart failure or problems with rate and rhythm and tone of the heart or even a heart attack itself because the word heart attack now has suddenly become inclusive of all these things. Coronary artery especially disease. Coronary artery disease. Exactly. So rather than heart disease, we start talking about coronary artery disease as though the flow of blood to the heart is the culprit. And I think if you ask the average guy on the street today, uh, describe a heart attack. Well, there uh, you get a clot, and then the heart doesn't. It, you get plaque. And you get the plaque. The flow of blood is interrupted because of the stops plaque. The turbulence forms a clot. The clot plugs the vessel. Can't get oxygen. And then the heart dies. Dies underneath it. Well, until the last few years, now that research has proven otherwise, a heart attack is just exactly described as I as I said. It's thought to result from a slow buildup of fat in the coronary arteries. And it's the coronary arteries that bring oxygen to the blood, uh, to the muscles of the heart. And that led to a blockage in the death of the cells downstream from that blockage. It's like a beaver dam suddenly shows up in a river and suddenly, where did all the water go? Mm, But Mm. research has proven otherwise. Yes. Because the clot was thought to be made up of cholesterol that built up inside the vessel. And then it would get bigger until it started blocking the flow of blood, which would lead to pain. And then angina, which of course is chest pain. And then it would lead to ischemia, which is the shutting off of that blood supply, or at least the shutting down of blood that would lead to a heart attack. And the solution, of course, well, we'll just open up the blockage. We'll, we'll send in a little balloon. We'll, we'll come in through the uh, iliac vein, go up through the inferior vena cava, up into the heart, have a little balloon that forces that thing open, or they stick in a stent. That's the new cool thing. They mm-hmm. stick in the, it's like, if you can imagine a metal straw that's just, a, you know, a very, very short, and they put it in the place of the blockage to let the blood come through, or, or, or they do a bypass. They just put in another artery suction. Uh, I mean, easy. That, that's easy to figure out, you know, easy money-making solution, actually. But we're going to show that that does not extend your life at all. Yeah, well, the Mayo Clinic showed that. Yes. So we're going to talk about here for so just a second. What, what, what we've been talking about is the plumbing approach to heart disease. There you go. <laughs> so because of the thinking of the clogged artery as the cause of heart attacks, we built an entire medical industry devoted to unclogging them with the plumbing approach. So, so you have these great heroic doctors now. They're becoming glorified plumbers, and they're advancing... Um, 
the uh, the catheters and the angioplasty. angioplasty, which is the balloons, mm-hmm. and stents into the patient uh, to open up these clogged arteries. And, and if the catheters and the balloons and the stents fail, then, oh, there's the ultimate golden standard, the oh. heart bypass operation. Open heart surgery. Yep. And for those patients who escape the attention of the invasive cardiologist with their um, <laughs> plumbing procedures, there's medical treatment with cardiac drugs such as the statins and beta blocker, excuse me, beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, nitrates, aspirin, blood thinners. I mean, the list goes on and on. And this is why I said, in my opinion, that the idea of a heart attack from a heart muscle that stops pumping has been completely converted to the blood flow theory because you can sell so many more drugs that way. Yeah. Now, I hate to sound cynical, but so does Circulation Magazine. But this theory began to weaken when a major study was done by the Mayo Clinic, the Mayo Clinic, no less, and it showed that bypass surgery would relieve chest pain, but bypass surgery does not prevent future heart attacks, and only high-risk patients whose life is in acute danger benefit from bypass surgery in that life can be prolonged from the danger of an acute heart attack. Yeah, so the conclusion of the study was that the gold standard for treating arterial blockage, which is heart bypass surgery, only had minimal benefits. And you see that on the slide there, number one, bypass surgery would relieve chest pain. Yes, it would take care of the angina problem. Mm -hmm. But when you go in and you have your chest opened up and they stick another uh, a bypass artery or two or three or four, as in a quadruple bypass surgery, you come out of there as a hero when that's done. Is the chest pain gone? Yeah, the heart's getting an awful lot more oxygen, so the chest pain disappears. But the study also from Mayo Clinic said, well, it didn't prevent any future heart attacks. And it didn't prolong their lives. It did not prolong their life. And only the high-risk people mm-hmm. who were who high-risk are those who could die any second yeah. were the ones who had any benefit, but it did not prolong their life. People that have like a left main coronary artery lesion, and those are known also as the widowmaker. Yep. Those are the ones that, boom, you're dead. You're, you're dead before you hit the floor. So then the cardiac plumbing procedures, um, you know, might be helpful. But in the long run, they're still in the a long run. You have to do something about it. Now, that angina is giving you a really important signal. Yeah. Really important, and it's slowly happening, yep. unless it's the Widowmaker, of course, and you, you do want to avoid those. <laughs> but, and, but the angina is telling you, hey, I'm taking care of this. Now feed me, feed me. Give me what feed I need. Me. Give me what I need. I'm giving you and a signal. I am going to take care of this. Yep. You've known people that used to have angina and don't have it anymore. What happened? Yep. How did their bodies do this without well, bypass surgery? Some of them started taking nitroglycerin. Yeah, well. And they don't know how it works. It just forces oxygen stored in the heart muscle. And we'll get to this in a minute. It back but into it's the, not curative. But it doesn't cure anything. It doesn't cure anything, no. but it can save your life. So that's important. Um, so we know in some cases that heart attacks occur with, with completely normal coronary arteries as is demonstrated by angiography or autopsy examination, as in the Journal of the Royal Society of Medicine. In this article, now this isn't us, this is from the Journal of the Royal Society of Medicine. Not only that, though, autopsy studies 
on young trauma victims can show left main or multi-vessel disease in 20% of the young people on autopsy. These are people killed in traffic accidents, Mm -hmm. uh, some other tragic thing that took place, no heart problems, no heart symptoms at all. And even autopsy studies on hospitalized patients who died of non-cardiac causes, such as cancer, can show as much as 41% with critical stenosis. And that's where a blood vessel is closed way down, way down, way Mm -hmm. down. They can have as much as 41% of critical stenosis or occlusion, which means a complete blocking off of one of the major vessels of the heart. But they they didn't die of a heart attack first. Yeah. So clearly there are other factors at work here. And clogged arteries are quite common, but these people didn't die from them. Ooh, so here it is. So you're going to say something. Yeah, the reason that a major coronary artery could be 90% blocked, and this is critical, it was slow growing over time. But the patient has no real symptoms yep. to report until chest pain finally shows up. That yep. angina we're talking about is because of an incredible process called collateral development, which is collateral blood vessels. Well explain that, that completely compensate for the blockage. Yeah. This is it, guys. This now, you know, short just by way of history, shortly after your birth your body begins the development of these collateral collateral blood vessels all along the major coronary arteries. Collateral blood vessels like this picture is showing here, all these extra vessels begin to develop and form and just cover the whole hat like a toboggan cap covers your head. And this is so in case of a blockage of one of the major vessels. So the nearly collateral, the, the nearby collateral vessels can carry blood past the blockage to feed the rest of the heart downstream from the blockage. Yeah, because the idea, and this is this is fostered in cardiac surgery, that the heart is nourished by only four coronary arteries is simply not correct. Now think about this. Cause I because I'll I'll hear this from patients who come in to consult with us. Does a ninety percent blockage make any sense to you? <laughs> I mean, suppose your mouth and nose were 90% blocked. You'd be in trouble. Could you still breathe oxygen enough to keep you alive? What if the front door of your house was 90% blocked? Could you get in and out of the house? No. Through the front door? No, you, you wouldn't fit. No, you'd end up using a side door. This is what keeps you alive when a major heart vessel is blocked. It is the continued blood flow through the surrounding collateral arteries that, remember, began forming shortly after birth. You know, so, I mean, again, ask yourself this. How can the heart function as well as it does with a 90% blockage? Because of the collateral blood vessels. We're going to show you an image here shortly to explain this. I mean, it's like the side streets. When the freeway gets closed from an accident or something that happens, somebody spills something across the road, they close the freeway. Are you going to sit there for the next 25 hours it takes to fix things? If you're lucky enough, you're going to find out about this at the exit ramp. An off-ramp. Yeah, an off-ramp. You bypass the closure, then you get back on the freeway at the next freeway exit or entrance. And so we have a video to demonstrate what we're talking about. This, this is incredible. This is just killer. This is, this is incredible. This is talking about, it's going to be talking about the collateral blood vessels that develop. When and we can explain this as it's going. Okay. In this short film made during an angio. The right coronary artery at left hand 
will be filled with contrast medium using a hard catheter. Okay. All right. So that left vein, he says it's the right because, yeah, because it's switched around. The, the pictures of body organs are always backwards from the way you're looking at mm -hmm. them because they're in what's called the anatomical position. But he's talking about that artery dropping down the left side of the picture, which is the right coronary artery. Okay. Before we start the film, I want to show you the most important result of this examination in advance. You can see a severe narrowing, a stenosis, in the midsection of the artery. All right. That straight line going up the left side of the picture is the catheter. Catheter. Yes, the or catheter, catheter <laughs> that's coming up the inferior vena cava. That's the main blood supply back into the heart mm -hmm. before it gets pumped to the lungs. And it goes up and out of the picture and circles back down around to where they're... And the reason it's dark is because it's already full of the contrast medium. Which, which is, is a dye. radio, what's called a radio opaque dye, which means it's going to show up in an X-ray. And as he goes up around the top, he's putting the contrast medium into the right coronary artery, nowhere else, because they want to see what's happening there. And where the red circle is, you can see a severe pinching off of the descending coronary artery. But look right below the pinch. Yeah, well, he'll and get to that. And all the way downstream where it goes, it's full of blood. Okay, he'll get to all that. All right. Watch this. Now let us take a look at the angio. The beating heart. Yes. Look at that 99% closed artery there. And all the blood below it. Let's watch the film again. I will now show you a series of photos taken from the NGO so that you can study the procedure in detail. Here is the first photo. At the upper edge of the picture, you see the heart catheter with its curved end still empty of contrast medium. The now the contrast medium starts to appear. You can see the roughly S-shaped form of the upper section of the artery. Okay, so you see the catheter coming down. That's that J. That J right there. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's starting to put What the, looks like the head of a snake yeah. that forms an S is that where it's going to introduce the, the contrast medium, the dye, into the descending right coronary artery. Marked by contrast medium. This is the most intriguing photo. Why is this? The most important feature is the dark strip marked at the bottom left of the photo. This shows contrast medium in a section far beyond the stenosis. Hmm. Nothing can yet be seen of the narrowing itself. Despite this, a section of the coronary artery far beyond the stenosis is already filling up. Here, for the first time, the stenosis circled appears. You see that right there? 
You see that stenosis? It's starting to show up. And by stenosis, he means narrowing. Yeah. I deal with uh, stenosis in the spine all the time. Mm-hmm. Here, stenosis is anything that's closing down. And that's severe. I mean, that is pretty... This uh, is something that would be described as a 90% or greater blockage. Or greater. This person is going to be told immediately, if you don't have a bypass immediately or angiogram, uh, an angiogram is what you're seeing mm-hmm. here, the picture of the artery. But they're either going to they're going to want to put in a um, balloon, a balloon, mm-hmm. angioplasty, or a stent. Mm-hmm. They'll go up there with a little instrument that goes follows that same route and put in a little tube that forces that thing open. But there's plenty of do blood they not below look? It I know. Do they not look? It's like they have this blinders is, on. This or is something? what no. This is the standard of care. Wow. And they have to follow the standard of care or they'll get in trouble. Okay, let's let this guy with this right. great sense of humor continue on. Yes, <laughs> I could listen to him all day. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. This is the same photo. The narrowing can be vaguely recognized due to the descending flow from above, but mainly as a result of the ascending flow from below. <laughs> now, stop it. Okay. The ascending flow... From below. Yes. The blood is going back up. Yeah. Oh, wait a second. Doesn't blood flow in one direction in an artery and one direction in a vein? It's coming in from arteries somewhere. Is carry, uh, arteries carry blood away from the heart. Veins carry blood back to, to the, the heart. heart. They don't sit there and do a U-turn. Here, it's starting to fill up from the bottom up. Where mm. is it coming from it is coming the question. From? Okay. If it's completely blocked, yeah. uh, where is it coming from? Things now become clearer. This stenosis hardly allows a single drop of blood to pass. The stenosis allows practically nothing to pass. It's not the case, as a layperson might assume, that the blood somehow manages to squeeze through the bottleneck and struggles to fill the lower part of the artery. Yet, it is exactly this section beyond the narrowing that is well filled. The blood must come from somewhere. Even if the collaterals, the vessels that make a detour around the stenosis, are not clearly seen, these photos are proof of their existence and effectivity. This is a perfect illustration of a 90% stenosis. However, this method fails to provide decisive information. It's not possible to show the extensive network of collaterals using the heart catheter. See, so he's saying you can't see the collateral Because they're very tiny. Yeah, they're teeny. And they have the dye in them, but they're so tiny the x-ray can't pick it up. There must be many of them, Yeah, I, I look at x-rays in the clinic, and there are times when I look at an x-ray, and I got a question about an area that I'm not sure of, and I tell the patient, I need an MRI or I need a CAT scan mm-hmm. to see more clearly something I suspect might be there. The CAT scan comes back, bingo, there it is, that the regular x-ray didn't pick up. That's what's going on here. The collateral arteries are so tiny, but there's so many of them that the bottom part of that picture gets to be filled up with blood. somebody must have done an MRI. Somebody must know this. I mean, I know this is a huge business to do bypasses. I mean... Well, yes. The heart heart business is a billion dollars a day in this country. This is... This is forbidden information you know, and we're listen, bringing you. If that, if there were no collateral arteries here, 
and there really was a 90% blockage, that person would be dead yep. before this ever yep. happened yep. because the entire right side of the heart would be dead. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Yeah. Let's finish I'm, this video. I, I'm getting ahead I'm of so myself. excited to hear the rest of this. Yes, <laughs> yes I can. He could keep this leads to considerable false interpretations regarding the importance of coronary artery stenosis. In the very small narrowing, a little blood forces its way from above and a little from below. The blood in the stenosis is stagnant. If the narrow passageway is closed completely by a blood clot, a thrombosis, what happens then? Does a heart attack occur, as generally assumed? Mm -hmm. By no means. The blood is already standing still in the stenosis. A complete closure would have no effect. There's no alteration whatsoever. Wow. It went on the cardiologist's income. Though. There can be no better illustration. The blood supply to the heart muscle beyond the stenosis is completely unaffected. The right coronary artery is clearly and powerfully displayed far to the regions of its finest branches. The stenosis does not damage the heart. To familiarize yourself with these invisible collaterals, do take another look at this short film. <laughs> <laughs> if you can stand the excitement. <laughs> no offense. I mean, this, this fellow has done some really wonderful things here. Yeah. But, you know, in other words here, the gold standard for treating the arterial blockages, which is surgery, has at best only minimal benefits, according to Mayo Clinic. Yes. And this is because large, stable blockages, the, those that block more than 90% of a vessel, are in almost 100% of the cases completely compensated for by these collateral blood vessels, the side streets of the freeway. Yes. And most bypasses, the stents, the angioplasties are performed on minimally symptomatic patients who show a greater than 90% blockage in one or more of the coronary arteries. I mean, if you go into the emergency room and you're having a heart attack, they're going to want to do an angiogram right away. Mm -hmm. And they want to find out what's going on. And they see this blockage in the heart and they will show you the picture and you will consent to bypass or stent or angioplasty or something. And these arteries are almost fully almost always fully collateralized. And the surgery doesn't restore blood flow because the body has already done it by its own bypass mechanism. If it can. I mean, it's no wonder that in study after study, these procedures fail to provide any significant benefit to patients. And we're quoting from peer-reviewed medical journals. Mm -hmm. This isn't some weekend magazine we picked up somewhere. Now, we are not telling you to not do these procedures if you find yourself in this situation. Well, because... But there's the widow makers out there. That's right, because this is a decision you make yourself. We're just trying to educate you that the prevailing theory of a heart attack may not be the correct one, which we're going to give you in the next podcast. Okay, and here is the dog study. This is a 1976 study when um, the dog's coronary artery is suddenly occluded, completely closed off. The dog suffers a heart attack and usually dies. However... If the dog's coronary artery is gradually occluded, slowly closed down over four days, just four days, the dog's heart develops extensive collateral vessels which prevent a heart attack. Isn't that amazing? Well, it the is amazing. Because the collateral vessels have done their job. So this study showed the dog has had a completely occluded coronary artery with no heart attack or cardiac 
damage. Yes, and there's the NIH reference where you can go read this. this so, so they induced this. I don't know how they did that, but they induced a completely occluded coronary artery, completely blocked, and the dog did not have a heart attack or cardiac damage. Yeah, they, they would have to do something mechanical in there, and the dog was probably anesthetized. So it didn't so. get up and move around. That's why I had to take but the here, th- down. this is the cool thing about it because, you know, in human beings, and I would suspect this is the case of all mammals, including the dog, right after birth, the collateralization of the heart muscle begins. The body doesn't spend a whole lot of time doing that in utero because you don't need it that much. That's mm-hmm. not, you know, the heart starts beating within the first few weeks of, of development. But because you're in such an oxygen rich environment, and the heart is going through development. Um, it's not like you're out there running track or playing in the in the playground in the first grade kinds of demands of the heart. But here with a dog, and the same thing with a human being, as soon as an occlusion, a partial occlusion begins because of plaque buildup in the heart that's happening, not because you ate fat. No, it's because, because of irritation and inflammation the to the lesions. walls of the vessels, the lesions. The plaque is actually saving your life because Precisely. you've got ripped and it's torn a arteries. It's a yeah. big band-aid. And what happens is even as that blood flow partially begins to be occluded, your body starts building collaterals immediately. Yeah. That's, a, I mean, that kind of, that's the forbidden doctor in you yes. taking care of you before you even know that there's a problem. And what, from the study, what's so interesting is it only took four days to create the collateral blood flow. Right. Four days. Now, what's a dog eating? Typically, you know, I don't know what they fed the dogs in the study, but they normally eat from the land. Yeah. They don't eat Pop-Tarts. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe some of them do if you give it to them. Um, let's move on to a r- incredible guy. This is, um, what's his name? William Broyles. This was in our podcast 19, but I'm, but we're understanding it even better now because of all these studies that yes. have been done. And it bears repeating. It bears repeating. This, I'm just going to read his yeah, little testimonial. So. I'm greatly encouraged by Dr. Lindell's honesty and his courage to stand up to the AMA and government regulators. I endured two separate CABs, coronary artery blockages, about eight years apart. Later, I had a cardiac surgery to remove blockages, but less than a year later, it was 90% occluded again. In other words, closed off. We operated again, but within eight months, it was 100% occluded and inoperable. And he didn't fall down dead. (laughs) He wasn't dead. At that time, at that time, we also found the, I guess that's the left artery, 65% occluded. That's the Widowmaker. Ah, 65% occluded, and I was advised to operate on it ASAP. Instead, I refused surgery, decided there was something wrong with this picture, and I began an intense study on cholesterol and heart disease. That was over a decade ago. I hit the fish oil, raw dairy, pasture-raised food, and joined the Weston A. Price Foundation. I do not know how long I will live, but I am confident had I stuck with the regular treatments of statins, and surgeries that I would not be here to write this. I pray you all will take what this doctor says to heart. Now, Dr. Lundell, let me explain that. He's one of the space docs. He's one of the uh, cardiologists to the astronauts. Right. If you go to spacedoc.com, you can read a tremendous amount of information on this by the astronauts, cardiologists themselves. They want them to have high cholesterol, Mm -hmm. and they want them to follow the Weston A. Price diet, yeah, completely outside the standard of care. Totally. And um, we did a podcast on high, 
for high, cholesterol. How you uh, will die. I've low got cholesterol a, will kill you. Low, low cholesterol That's will kill you. a couple of months ago or three months ago. Yeah, but I've got that reference at the end of this podcast. Yep. So anyway, I thank you to Bill here, <laughs> William Broyles, who, I mean, that's just a fantastic thing yes. that he did. Okay. They've also known this for a long time about the collateral blood yep. vessels. Look at this study back in 1981, the importance of collateral circulation for myocardial survival. Yes. You know, just that little thing. <laughs> yes, an in-depth study that said without collateral circulation, you cannot survive yeah. a heart so problem. So they know since at least 1981, they know your heart does this. Yes. And yet we just keep pushing no fat, vegetables, and bypasses. Yep. High, high processed carbs. Yeah. Get to no the fats. doctor. If you yep. have angina, get to the doctor quickly and he'll put you on a no fat, you no should, salt diet. If you're having severe chest pains, you need to get to the doctor quickly. You need to get to the ER. And understand. But understand what's going on. Understand the support, the forbidden doctor inside of you that you need to help out as much as you can. Yes. Yes, because it could be a widowmaker, and you do need. That's right. Help you better have the best experts looking at you immediately. Yeah. So if you feel angina, you feel these things. You feel your heart. You should never feel your heart. <laughs> That's a good point, Mary. <laughs> you you should, should never feel anything in your chest. No, and if you, you don't, do, you shouldn't feel your stomach. You should not feel your intestines. You should not feel your kidneys. You should not feel your thyroid. You should not feel your brain, <laughs> and you especially should not feel your heart. Yes. So if you do, then you start on, you like William Broyles said there, yeah. you start on some good Weston A. Price diet. But if you go online and yes. you search heart disease like I did for this podcast, this is all that comes yeah, up. Yeah, I think so. Most of us can Look pretty now agree that the gold standard of what causes a heart attack, the slowly progressing calcified plaque, the thing that bypass surgeries... And the idea that we have used uh, stents for years, the reason they do CT scans of the arteries, the thing they told you is from cholesterol buildup in your arteries, um, the thing that low-fat, high-carbohydrate, largely vegetarian diets are supposed to focus on is actually just not that much of a big player in the underlying cause of heart attacks. But they still push this. Modern medicine still wants us to focus on the arteries. So what about the plaque? That's something to talk about. Yeah, this nightmarish creature doesn't actually create a large blockage. Rather, it's a soft, foamy plaque that under certain situations, and by the way, we don't know which cer certain s situations, rapid rapidly evolves and abruptly closes off the involved artery, creating a downstream oxygen deficit followed by angina. Then ischemia, which is the restriction of the blood supply itself. Yeah, what they're not showing you in this picture is the torn, ripped up, inflamed artery wall that the plaque is saving your life with. There's plenty of surgery, uh, surgery, plenty of research now to show that the placking is a band-aid mm -hmm. that your body is laying down to take care of a potential arterial tear or some lesion underneath that plaque the body is trying to heal. Yeah, it calls, calls from the liver, the cholesterol to come up. And heal that lesion, heal the wound in your artery. I mean, your body is man, man, magnificent that it can do this. Yes. And we've got it all completely backwards why that plaque shows up there. Because these plaques are thought to be the combination of, of inflammatory buildup and the LDL. The good. They, they say that's the bad one, but that's the good one. That's the life-saving one. 
And, and so these two, these are the two things that we target with statin drugs mm -hmm. because uh, the thing, uh, the Stop thinking goes like this. Up. Yeah. It goes like this because this type of plaque can build up in anybody's arteries at any time. Mm -hmm. And everybody should be on a statin drug to prevent a heart attack. I mean, there are people out there even now, and it's specifically in France, but I've seen it in San Francisco and a few other places in the States. They want to advocate putting therapeutic dosages of statins in the municipal water supply. This is insanity. No, it's, it's crazy. You know what statins do? Should we remind the listeners? They stop your liver from making cholesterol. cholesterol. Yeah. The life-saving cholesterol that heals the wounds in your body. And the, and the amount of research now that shows cholesterol has absolutely nothing to do with heart disease. And, but it's still being pushed. I know. Because it's still the number one selling drug out there. That's why we're out here. That's why the Forbidden Doctor yes. is on the air. You know, we don't make any money off of these podcasts. This is just... Forbidden information you're not supposed to know. We're not making any money off these? Well, not to speak of. Well, let's go see a movie. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Movie. We are going to have a coupon at the end, and hopefully people will use it and save their hearts. But well, basically, th these are free. These are free to give you. Nobody can complain for about For your education, yes. <laughs> not medical treatment, for your education There's based free. on current research. Yeah, this is just information. So when a person suffers a heart attack due to the, due to the chemical cascade that we're talking about, there's often the formation of a blood clot within the vessel of the heart, and that's what's known as the acute thrombosis. Mm -hmm. The thrombosis is uh, that he talked about, the thrombosis of the stenosis. <laughs> um, and, it and is I, a... It is a consequence, though. Yes, it's a consequence. Not the cause of the heart attack. Right. Because as the heart goes into struggle, plaque is being released, and, that, and the turbulence that the plaque is causing will cause a clot to occur. So in other words, the formation of the clot occurs as a result of the attack. It's not the cause of the attack. Yeah, this is really... You know, and I've got a family member who is a cardiac lab specialist. His job is the catheters up the inferior vena cava in the heart. And I asked him, I said, person. <laughs> oh, come on. You can say. That's my son-in-law. It's our son-in-law. He's a cardiac lab technician in yeah. the University of Texas Health System. I'm not going to mention his name. And um, I said, is it true that up to 60% of heart attack people, when you put in the catheter, there is no clot anywhere in the heart? He said, oh, yeah. I said, why do you do it? Standard of care. Because the, the, the clock the, comes after. Yeah, because the surgeon uh, ordered it. 60% of heart attacks do not have a clot. And we're going to get into that deeply uh, next week. And here's another cool forbidden thing. Yeah, it's another reason to question the theory of a blocked coronary artery causing a heart attack. As we've described, according to the prevailing medical theory... Blocked arteries cause a drop in oxygen levels in the heart muscle yes. by cutting off the blood supply. Yeah. So they cut off the blood supply and the oxygen to the tissues below where the block is. But when careful measurements assessing the oxygen level of the heart muscle during a heart attack are taken, they show normal oxygen levels in a developing got heart attack. you to say that again. When careful measurements assessing the oxygen of the heart muscles, the heart muscle cells during a heart attack are taken, they show normal oxygen levels in a developing heart attack. I mean, this is shocking because it is directly opposed to the theory 
of oxygen deprivation to the heart muscle that's causing the heart attack. Because as this study reveals, and we have it available for you. Coming up next. Um, the, oxygen the oxygen levels do not, not change, change at all through the entire event. In other words, the oxygen levels in the heart muscle itself while the heart attack is taking place is still as rich as it was before the heart attack. This is vitally important because while the heart attack is happening, the heart muscle has oxygen. Yes. And this well-constructed study clearly shows that a lack of oxygen to the heart muscle because of a clot is not what is going on during a heart attack. Here is the and study. there's the study. The one that shows oxygen levels do not change at all throughout the entire event of a heart attack. Now, they were doing atrial pacing. They're trying to figure out what kind of a pace should be in a pacemaker that they're going to put into a patient. And so they have little instruments, again, inserted into the heart the same way, reading the oxygen levels in the heart muscle. And when these people developed a heart attack while this was going on, the oxygen levels did not drop because of a clot. I mean, that's like finding out the moon is made of cheese. Uh, I have no words. Yes. Yeah. So. As the research shows, the uh, oxygen supply to the heart does not change. Then so what exactly does happen to result in the death of muscle tissue in the heart? Well, your body makes the collateral blood vessels around the clogged artery so plaque isn't the cause of the heart attack. Mm -hmm. And blood clots are sometimes associated with heart attacks. But in no pathological study has it been found in more than 50% of the deaths. And in as the case of this person I mentioned, mm -hmm. my son-in-law, our son-in-law, in some studies, as much as 60% of heart attacks have no blood clots found in the coronary arteries, which begs the question... Why did the other 40 to 50% have a heart attack with no, when no clot was blocking the artery? I mean, if we have been told the biggest card of, cause of heart attacks is a high-fat diet and the buildup that fat in the heart eventually caused the heart attack, then why are half of the heart attacks completely missing a clot? Wow. And another important question, you know, is what caused the clot in the 50% of heart attacks where one or more were found? Well, it's clear when they review the pathology studies, that the blood clot of a significant degree often forms after the heart attack occurs, leading again to the question of what caused the heart attack in the first place. I mean, because the fact that blood clots sometimes correlate with heart attacks does not explain why emergency procedures can be helpful immediately following a heart attack, trying to restore blood flow in those patients who do not have adequate collateral circulation, to that part of their heart. Yeah, so that's important. That yeah, because, because remember from the Mayo Clinic study that the only patients who really benefited from a bypass or a stent were those who were in the most critical acute condition. Yeah, and, so, and if you feel yourself ha having a heart attack, you need to get to the hospital as fast as oh, possible. Yeah, so man. they can, if you don't have enough collateral blood vessels built up, they can save your life. I just had something pop into my consciousness. <laughs> more and more office buildings, uh, supermarkets, everything are having those, um, what are they called, ARM or something like that? Oh, yeah. The, where where the they have the, the resuscitators yeah. uh, and you can grab them. Now, listen, follow me on this. Tell me where I'm wrong because I may be thinking completely incorrectly here, as I'm often found doing. 
if someone is having a heart attack and they fall down on the floor, two things happen. Somebody calls 911. Mm -hmm. Somebody else goes right for those little paddles. Okay? Mm -hmm. They're going to check the carotid artery or the pulse or something to find out if the heart stopped beating. Let's suppose the heart stopped beating. Let's suppose the coronary artery blockage is the correct, that theory is correct. If it's blocked, the heart muscle is dying mm -hmm. and dying mm -hmm. and dying and dying because it's not getting any oxygen. The heart is the second most oxygen dependent organ in the body following the brain. Finally, someone checks the pulse. The EMTs haven't showed up yet. They're on their way. They're going to be bringing in one of these resuscitators with them. But somebody else has grabbed the resuscitator off the wall and is going to apply it to the patient, bared the chest so they get right on the skin. After several minutes of the heart muscle dying, bam, the body arches, they come up off the floor, bam, they do it again. And then the heart starts beating. How does it start beating if it died from oxygen deprivation from a blocked coronary artery? Those collateral blood vessels must have been feeding the heart. The collateral vessels must have been feeding the heart and the oxygen levels in the heart muscle must have been maintained because it's not compressing, it's not consuming the oxygen. So the body's that smart. Aha! It's that smart. My dear Watson, <laughs> the game's afoot. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just had to get a little dramatic no, there. No, no. Because that just occurred to me. Holy smoke. So if the coronary artery clot blocking idea of heart attacks is so full of contradictions. Yes. And if it only gives us such an unproven theory and missing pieces explanation for the cause of heart attacks... The question remains. So what does cause heart attacks? Now, now that, that is, is the, the question. question. And we will answer that in the next podcast. In the meantime. <laughs> so you don't die between then and now. Before you now find out then. what does cause a heart attack, you might be wanting to feed and rebuild your heart with this protocol. Yeah. This this does not cure heart attacks. No. This does not cure anything. Don't use this in the place of nitroglycerin. That's right. Don't put this, <laughs> don't use this in the place of your prescribed cardiac medication. This is a nutritional supplementation program designed to rebuild the heart. How do we know this is effective? Because we have a heart scan test we use in the office. Yeah, we have a whole podcast on that. The heart sound that. recorder, it's in there. It's called, if LBJ had had this instead of an EKG, he would still be alive. Yeah. But this is really good support. So if you are having, or if you're filling your heart or you're having angina, this is our basic heart healthy protocol. Yes. There's other things we'll get into on our next podcast that are more in depth if you know exactly what's going on. But even still, this is your basic stuff. Now, if you notice, the very first thing there is a raw egg shake. The thing that doctor, not doctor, but that William Boyles in the yes. testimonial before said that he started eating more raw dairy and more protein and more yes. grass-fed beef and all this. So here's our rye shake. I know we've beat this to death, but just look, you've got organic kefir, you've got raw organic milk in there, you've got calcium food powder, which is raw bone marrow, I mean, really, and cyber food powder, which is the organ extracts that you won't eat. Remember our podcast on liver? Yes. Nobody will eat liver. And then you've got the whey protein, a complete protein. It has colostrum in it. It also comes in chocolate or vanilla. 
And then, of course, the most important thing is the two to three raw eggs that are easily absorbed into your body. And they, the, a raw um, white of an egg will do a chelation and actually detox your body from heavy metals and everything else. And yes. then the, the yolk of the egg, of course, is the most perfect protein you could get. So um, we'll have this at the end of the podcast. Also, we've given it a million times, but it's really important. And so just a reminder, people with high cholesterol live the longest. This is from the Weston A. Price And Dr. Uh, Ufa uh, Kravinov, mm -hmm. I don't think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He's one of the space docs. Yeah. You can read all of his research at spacedoc.com. Why yeah. you want, and the older that you get, the higher your cholesterol should be. Okay, now this next slide we're going to show you, the next couple slides, this is highly, highly forbidden stuff, and Jack really had a hard time with us talking about this. But remember how we told you on that dog, if he had four days to build the collateral blood vessels, he survived. Yes. He didn't have a heart attack, or yes. she, or whatever the dog was. This, this might give you some time. This is for you and your cardiologist to, dis to discuss. Yes. This is quabane, a botanical plant also called strophanthus. Um, it's obtained from an African plant. And this is forbidden information. In fact, it's so forbidden that it, that it could help to stop you from ever having a deadly heart attack. We're not going to tell you anything about it. Just follow the link and read about how you can protect yourself with, the, with this forbidden botanical plant. Now, you need to understand this does not rebuild your heart. It is crisis care, but it is very safe, much safer than statins, much safer than pacemakers, much safer, and it's been used for hundreds of years. The only reason we don't use it today in our medical establishment crisis care system is because they can't make money off of it. So instead, we use things like beta blockers and statins and, as we said, pacemakers. Yeah, but studies of the autonomic nervous system using heart rate variability monitors show that patients with reduced parasympathetic activity have higher, that means people in high stress, yeah. have higher risk for heart attack and that heart attack victims have reduced parasympathetic activity. And we've talked about that in other heart shows. Yeah. So I don't, you know. Uh, the, the, the studies have also shown that heart attack victims will show a peculiar sudden drop, drop off of parasympathetic activity just prior to their heart attack. Yes. So what this does is it gives you time. It gives you time to, it pushes oxygen into your heart muscles. Um, we think, we're not sure, but it's, it gives you time to build those collateral blood vessels. Yeah. If, if you do have a blockage. Now, I have to say this since I agreed to have that put in the podcast. Don't do anything that we have said without talking to your cardiologist. Yeah, he, he should know about this, but maybe he doesn't. Well, he knows about digitalis. Yeah. And it, that's the basis of this plant. Yeah. And again, it's not curative, but it can save your life. Um, here's another article, um, Dr. Jeffrey Doc, MD. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good article. It's a very good article. Yeah, it is actually, and it's really, really long. And here's another one, um, just basic. It's not fancy. It's just what is strophanthin? And um, you go read this. And Dr. Thomas Cowan. He's in San Francisco, and he does use. He does use strophanthin. Strophanthin. Yes, but it, but um, there's a lot of there's a lot of forbidden information in his book. So go buy the book. It could be life saving. And as of this podcast date, when Dr. Cowan put his heart attack patients on Quabane, they never, ever had another heart attack. 
and Quibane is illegal in the U.S. without a prescription. Yes, but it's uh, it's Strophanthus. Quibane is another name for Strophanthus. I'm sorry, yeah. And it and it's often known as Quibane, not Strophanthus. But Dr. Cowan uses this in the San Francisco area. And what you just said there, Mary, is vital. When he would put patients on this who had had a heart attack, mm-hmm. never ever had another one. So far, and he's he's obtainable in this. You know, you can uh, if you. Well, uh, he works with Weston A. Price Foundation, cause, so he also put them on a really good diet. Yeah. So that also helped. All right. Okay, let's do a real quick recap. So what doesn't cause heart attacks? Well, it isn't blood clots in the coronary arteries. In fact, the studies show the clots show up after a heart yes. attack. Your body makes collateral blood vessels around a clogged artery, so arterial plaque rarely causes a heart attack. And when careful measurements assessing the oxygen of the myocardium cells during a heart attack are taken, they show no oxygen deficits in an evolving heart attack. The oxygen levels do not change at all throughout the entire event. And go re-listen to podcast episode number 98, Cholesterol is King. Low cholesterol will kill you. And stay tuned to our next podcast to find out what does change in every evolving heart attack ever studied. Yes. Don't forget to go to our symptom survey form. Uh, go to our, for our website. ForbiddenDoctor.com. ForbiddenDoctor.com and take our free symptom survey. Yes. I'm reading the screen. <laughs> but this is invaluable. This is, again, another free thing that we offer. And because... You know, the heart protocol can be a little expensive if you buy the whole heart protocol. We are offering, because you stayed to the end of the podcast, a closing gift to you. Take 15% off any purchase of the products in the heart healthy protocol. Use the coupon code HEART. Yes. Okay. Anything else you want to say? Uh, Back with the uh, symptom survey. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you take the symptom survey... With it, you will receive a free 30-minute consultation with one of our nutritional consultants. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Yep. And then a we lot of people... pay them. You don't have to. Can't beat that deal. No, you can't beat that deal. And... Thank you for listening to this Forbidden Information. If you like what we're doing in these podcasts, there's several ways to support us. You can leave a positive review at iTunes or wherever you listen, ask us questions, give feedback, comments from various numerous places on our website, or even join our family by filling out the symptom survey. And please leave us a comment or a question at the end of the podcast. And thank you for listening to this Forbidden Information. Join us next time for the podcast about what does cause heart attacks. So, and I have to say this, especially at the end of this one dealing with the number one killer in America, the statements made in this webinar about specific products have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided or any information contained on or in any product label or packaging or this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. And anything that we have said here that moves you in any way regarding the heart, if you are under the care of a cardiologist or considering under the care of a cardiologist, you talk to them before you do anything we've suggested. Okay, we'll see you next time. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Forbidden Doctor Podcast. If you are curious about long-life energy enzymes or ageless thyroid, you can purchase them without a membership from our website at ForbiddenDoctor.com 
Or get our enzyme formula from Amazon.com by searching the full term Long Life Energy Enzymes. Don't forget to take our obligation-free symptom survey to get a free personalized supplement protocol recommended for you by Dr. Jack, Mary, or one of our qualified nutritionists. Take the survey, get a call from our nutritionist to create a protocol and a patient login, then use that login to see your own personal protocol along with any favorites you've saved from our symptom library. Remember, our website and our clinic are here for you always.